You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. We hope that what you're about to hear will bless you and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. We hope that it will strengthen you in faith and that it will help you better understand and better recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. We're going to talk about three things this morning. Three things. Guard your mind. Get over your past. And get to work. All right? Three things we've got for you this morning. Guard your mind. Get over your past and get to work. I'm not going to keep you long because I do realize that it is Super Bowl Sunday and we've got some parties planned and people to go and all kinds of stuff. So I don't I don't want to I don't want to take up all of your time but but I do want to I do want to talk about those three things. Somebody say guard your mind. Hallelujah. Guarding our minds. It's extremely important as a believer to guard your mind. Guard your mind. Take your Bibles, your phones, your iPads, your Androids, and turn to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. Hello, Miss Sydney. Philippians 4 8. It's in the P's. Philippians. Philippians 4, 8. Father, we just thank you for the next few minutes under your word, God. We just thank you, Lord, that this word, God, is going to pierce the minds and the hearts of your people, God, that they leave forever changed for your glory, Lord. Father, that what the enemy comes at them with, God, according to your word in Romans 8, 28, you're going to turn it around for their good in the matchless name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. You got Philippians 4, 8. It says, whatever things are pure, honest, just, Whatever things are of a good report, if there be anything praiseworthy, think on those things, and the God of peace shall be with you. The word think in that passage of scripture means to take inventory. Okay, so take inventory. So let's read that again with that in its place. It says, if there be anything praiseworthy, take inventory of those things. In other words, remind yourself of the blessings and the things that you've already been afforded. We have to keep our mind on the right track to keep our life on the right track. If you keep those things on the forefront of your mind, that's going to make a difference all by itself. Because our thoughts determine our actions, they determine our way of life. And it makes a difference in our life. It makes a difference in our moods. Amen. Everything in life revolves around that. We can change our shoes. We can change our glasses. We can change our shirt. We can change our house. We can change our spouse. We can even change our pastor. But if our mind doesn't change, if our mind doesn't get on the right track, all you're doing is changing the outside. You're not working from the inside out. Amen. You can't change things in the natural and expect it to change in your everyday life. Until something clicks in your mind, nothing really changes. That's why the word says in Proverbs chapter four, above all else, says if you don't do anything else, guard your heart or your intellect. Because out of it flows the issues of life. Before it can get to your heart, it has to go through your mind. 
Amen? That's why it's so important to guard, to protect our heart, to protect our intellect, as, as the Bible calls it. Protect your heart because out of it flows the issues of life. We can't think negative thoughts and expect to live a positive life. In the same way, we can't think thoughts of defeat and expect that we're going to live in victory. We have to get our mind in check. Before our lives can change, our thoughts have to change. Amen? Amen. Proverbs 23 and 7 says, a man, as a man thinketh in his heart. You get that? Thinketh in his heart. Thinketh in his heart, so is he. As a man thinketh in his heart, it's your intellect. Once it gets to your mind, the enemy knows that if he can attack your mind, he's attacking your life because once it gets to your heart, that's the direction that you're gonna go. He knows that if we can get our minds wrapped around things, that's gonna get into our heart and our heart is gonna follow suit. Turn to Genesis chapter three. Miss Whitney, Genesis 3, 1 through 5. I'm going to read that. If you don't want to turn there, that's fine. I'll just read it to you. Genesis 3, 1 through 5 says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Eve, has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree in the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We can eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but... Of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you'll not surely die. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Notice something in this passage of scripture. Not one time did the enemy come to her and say, hey, Eve, baby, listen, come here. Come over here, sweetheart. I want, I want you to get this fruit and I want you to take a bite of it because it's going to change your life. Not one time did he say that. He didn't have to because he knew where to attack her mind. He began to attack her Mind, and then she began questioning her own self. He had just had to get a hold of her mind and she, she attached with it, recognized with it, and went with it. She, went it. she thought it in her heart and her heart pursued that. The enemy attacks our mind any way that he can. I think it's just insane that she is standing in the midst of the garden of Eden, perfection, standing in the midst of perfection, standing there looking at all that God has for her. She's standing there knowing not to touch the tree, knowing that it's not hers to deal with, knowing what God already said about it, but she did it anyway. Come on, I wonder how many times we're standing in a situation knowing that it's not ours to bear, knowing what God already said about it, but we're dealing with it anyway. Come on, does the conversation with Eve sound, have any familiarity in your life? We get to a point where we have to check our mind. The enemy's sneaky, y'all. <laughs> he's sneaky. He sneaks in there. That's why he's referred to as a serpent. <laughs> he's sneaky. Come on, we, 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 we sit and in, in, in feel sickness trying to attack our body and the enemy comes in and says, hey, did God really say that by his stripes you are healed? 
We see and feel financial lack in our, in, the, in our everyday life and the enemy sneaks in and say, hey, did God really say that he would supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus? Come on, we're slipping back into an old faithful addiction and the enemy says, did God really say that who the sun sets free is free indeed? We begin to second guess ourselves because the enemy comes in and attacks our mind. The enemy attacks our mind. You second guess yourself and forget all that God has already provided for you because of the attack on our mind. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. I had a boss a few years ago. Her name was Denise, and we were, we were very close. I worked with her about 10 years, and um, she was a great woman. But, and she loved the store Nordstrom. Anybody know Nordstrom? I have six children. I've never been in there, <laughs> ever. But I know about it. I've, I've, I've looked at it online a little bit. I've dabbled. But um, the store Nordstrom is a very expensive, high-dollar store, very nice product, very nice things, but very nice prices also. And Denise loved the store. But with the salary that she made, she always went to the clearance section. Always, or Nordstrom Rack. So her brother-in-law, uh, one year for Christmas, her sister and her brother-in-law got her gift card to Nordstrom. And it was $1,500 gift card to Nordstrom, the store. And uh, apparently a lot of their family had gotten together and gotten her this, this lavish gift of $1,500 for the store because they knew how much she loved it. So one day on lunch, she was like, hey, Casey, you want to go with me to, to the store because I have a gift card? I said, yeah, let's go. So we're, you know, I'll go with her and I'm, I'm looking around because, you know, you got to go in just to see, right? So we go in, we're looking around, we're figuring out, you know, what she wants. And of course, I'm not buying anything, but she is. And we're looking around in the clearance section because that, you know, we, that's where she always goes. So we're going over, we're looking around and she's not finding anything. She's getting a little bit irritated. She's like, man, it's always like this in the clearance section, right? You always got the clearance section. It's just the picked over stuff that nobody really wants. And then I, I was thinking a minute and I looked at her and I said, you have $1,500. And she goes, I do have $1,500. I don't have to shop in the clearance section. Listen, the enemy will keep you limited by what your past says. You don't got to shop in the, in the clearance section anymore. We have to get a mind shift, a mind change to know that we are in a different position. We're in a different position. Tell somebody I ain't shopping clearance no more. <laughs> We have to get a mind shift. First Peter 5, 8 says this, be sober-minded, your adversary, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Like a roaring lion. Like a roaring lion. Be sober-minded. In other words, it's saying, Make up your mind. How are you going to view him? Like a roaring lion or what it says in Colossians chapter 2 that he is a defeated foe who was publicly disarmed and triumphed over causing us to have the victory. Somebody ought to shout right there. A defeated foe. Defeated publicly, humiliated so that we could have the victory. I looked up a few interesting facts about the human mind. I'm going to share them with you. 
while you are awake, your mind, these are just facts, your mind, your brain creates enough power to power a light bulb. Isn't that interesting? Look it up. Has to be true. It's on Google. (laughs) While you are awake, your mind has enough power to generate a light bulb. Listen to this. I'm going to mess up this word, but at 20 years old, your brain has around 109,000 miles of myelinated, myelinated, thank you, axons, which is enough to wrap around the Earth's equator four and a half times. Myelinated axons. According to Google, that is what signals the brain to signal other parts of your body of what it needs to do. And you have enough built up for 109,000 miles of that stuff to go around the equator four and a half times. Isn't that insane? Your mind, no wonder the enemy attacks your mind. Look how powerful it is. Look how powerful the mind is. No wonder the enemy attacks your mind. Something else we have to do is watch what goes in there. We have to guard, watch what goes into our minds. It's a sure bet that if you're having thoughts of fear, doubt, discouragement, they're not of God. Keep your mind focused. 2 Corinthians 10.15 says that you have the ability to cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And you have the authority to bring that into captivity to the obedience of God. Isn't it good to know that you have the authority to delete bad thoughts? A negative or a bad thought comes in, you just cast it down. You have the authority to bring it down, bring it into captivity, delete it. Do we use it? (laughs) Bring it into captivity. We have to guard it. When the enemy comes in and says, you'll never amount to anything because of your past or because of what your parents did or because of the environment that you grew up in, the world says that you can't do it, but the word says that you can do all things through Christ. The world may say that you'll never be out of debt, but the word of God says that you're the lender and not the borrower. The world says that you'll never kick that habit, but listen, the word says in in Psalm 32, seven, you, God, are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble, and you surround me with songs and shouts of deliverance. Whatever the world says to you, the word has something greater to say. Even in Galatians chapter one, it says that if an angel comes to you and says anything different than what the word says, don't believe it. An angel. If an angel comes to you and says something different than what you find in the word, don't believe it. Now, if we're not supposed to believe an angel that's saying something different than the word, why in the world are we going to believe our situations? Why in the world are we going to believe those that rise up against us? Think God thoughts and God will reward those thoughts. We have to guard and protect our minds and get to the point where it's instinct. 
a couple of years ago, or about a year ago, Pastor Israel and I were talking, and he said that, um, I don't even remember what song it was, but he said that there was a song that came on the radio, and, and, um, and it said it was a you know a Christian station and and he was just singing along and it became just second nature because it was a song that he that he heard all the time and and it said I'm a sinner well I'm a sinner well I'm a, you know and he said he was just singing it and singing it and singing it and he said I thought wait a minute I can't say that because I can't be a sinner and saved at the same time <laughs> you can't be a sinner and saved at the same time because all of your sin is forgiven. So it's, it should be instinct. If I walked up to Brandon with some boxing gloves and went to punch him in the face, he's going to take me down. But before, he's going to begin to guard himself, right? If I throw something at somebody and they know that it has the potential to hurt them, they're going to instinctively put their arms up or catch or duck or do something to try to keep it from getting to them. We have to get to that point with our minds. Psalm 103, I mean, I'm sorry, 101 says, I will not set my eyes before anything worthless. Amen. I will not set my sights before anything worthless. Psalm 101.3. It's the same way with our mind. What's going in there? Isaiah 55.8-9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. We've got to get on the next level of thinking. Get your thoughts in line with God's higher thoughts. Get your thoughts in line with God's higher thoughts. How are you going to do that? I'm glad you asked me. It says in Proverbs chapter three, uh, 16 and 3, commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts shall be established. Commit your works to the Lord, begin doing things for him and your thoughts shall be established. Established means that it's been given a foundation to build upon. Established means a foundation. So commit your works to the Lord and you will be given a foundation for your thoughts to build upon. And you'll be, you'll be, your thoughts will be getting higher and higher. I wanna read this scripture to you too. It's very familiar, but I, I want to read it to you because, I, because something stuck out in, to me in it. It says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's Romans 12. You are not the one. You are the one that is going to benefit from this. You're renewing your mind. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world. Okay, listen to this. It doesn't mean that the world is going to change. Are you hearing me? We get so caught up and we think, yeah, we're going to renew our minds. That means the world around us is going to change. We're just going to change the world. It's very possible that you could change the world, but that's not what this passage of Scripture is saying. That This is saying when all hell is breaking loose, you're okay. The renewing of your mind. We have to be okay with the world still being crazy and full of hate and hell and harm, but we are okay. Our minds have been renewed. Our thoughts have been established. 
We don't change the world in this scripture. This is, this is talking about us changing ourselves in the midst of a crazy world. If this, if this situation, I mean, if this, if this passage of scripture was talking about the world changing, then Eve, it would have been a, a different situation. Eve would have still been there had she decided not, I mean, the tree would have still been there had she decided not to eat, eat it. Does that make sense? If she didn't eat the tree and renewed her mind, the tree was still going to be there. Renewing your mind didn't eliminate the tree. Renewing your mind doesn't eliminate the temptation. Renewing your mind doesn't eliminate the problem. It renews you. Remember that God cannot and will not and is not limited because of those things. Just like he's not limited by your education or by your social standing or by your race or by your color or by your past. Your past can't hold you back. It's not an excuse anymore. Amen? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has stepped aside. No. No, the old is gone. It didn't just step over. It eliminated. The old is gone. Behold, the new has come. And God reconciled the world unto himself through Jesus Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You're a new creation, born again. And if you're still not convinced, listen to this. John, 1 John chapter 1 and 9. Can we pull that up, Miss Whitney? I added that afterwards and I didn't write it. Write the scripture down. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I want to take just a second here. The word confess there is the word homo legeo. Did I say that right, Dr. Holler? Homo legeo. And when I looked that up, this word means to concede and say the same thing as another. To give up the fight and just say the same thing as another. Who is the another that we're supposed to repeat or copy or say the same thing as? Let's look at the rest of that scripture. He who is faithful and just to forgive our sins. That's the person that we copycat. So we say what he says, which is what? You're forgiven. What sin? What sin is what he says. So every time we start trying to bring up our past or bring up our affliction or bring up the pain or bring up the thing that's setting us back, he's saying, what are you talking about? We have to stop focusing on that and say the same thing that Jesus said. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. I'm going to start walking in it. I'm going to start talking in it. I'm going to start living in it. I am forgiven. What sin, Jesus says. All we have to do, I love the word concede because I looked it up and it says, give up. Stop fighting it. Because that's, that's what we do. We fight it. We say, yeah, but this sin was worse. <laughs> am I talking to anybody today? I'm talking to me. This sin was worse. You don't know what that was, Casey. You trust me. You don't even know my past. He says, what sin? 
We've got to learn to say the same thing that he said. He has cleansed us from all unrighteousness. He has cleansed us from all unrighteousness. Parrish had an uncle that just recently went to heaven. And um, he, <clears throat> affectionately known as Uncle Jebba. And Uncle Jebba, at one point in his life, wouldn't even step foot inside of a church. Would not step foot inside of a church. Now, people say that, but listen to this. This is crazy. At our wedding in 2005, he did not step foot in the church. He came, but he held and propped the door open and stood outside the front door of the church and listened to Dr. Holler perform our wedding. Did not step foot inside the church. At his brother's funeral a few years later, at the same church, Dr. Holler was performing his brother's funeral, and he propped the door open and stood outside the door of the church. He wouldn't come in. And I was like, what is your problem? He had so much guilt and pain because he had been taught and, and preached damnation to. He didn't think that he was even worthy of stepping foot inside the church he didn't even think that he was worthy he was holding on to his past and his pain now listen there's a blessing literally I'll, I'll, I'll get to it in just a second but there is a blessing in being involved in your church being inside and involved in your church it takes making a committed decision because you don't always feel like going to church, right? I woke up this morning and I did not feel like coming to church. My stomach was showing symptoms that I did not want to stand here or stand here and do anything. But Parrish and I made a decision on May 21st in 2005 that we would be in church today, February 5th, Super Bowl Sunday, dedicating Harper Monroe. We made a committed decision in 2005 on May 21st that we would be in church today, 12 years later. It's a committed decision that you have to make and fulfill that and, and make that promise good to God. A committed decision. Psalm 92, 13, this is the blessing. Listen to this. Those that are planted in the house of God shall flourish in the courts of their God. Those that are planted in the house of God shall flourish or bloom or prosper in the courts of our God. There's literally a blessing in being faithful to the house of God. How many of you, I can look over because I've talked to a few, of, a few of you about it, but how many of you can raise your hand and say, I can notice a noticeable change in my life once I got committed in the house of God? Look around you. If you don't have your hand raised, look around you. You will notice a drastic difference, drastic difference in your life. There's things that Parrish and I have and things that we've done that I don't believe that we would have ever had or done or been successful at had we not been in the house of God, had we not made a decision to plant our family in the house of God. Mimi, my grandma, one of my grandmas, 
actually both of my grandmas are here, my other Nana, my Nana and my Mimi, but Mimi lived next door to us in, um, in McKinney. And we, we lived in a neighborhood where you had to have a certain amount of flowers and you had to have the tree standing in your front yard or they find you $200. They did, you know, all this baloney. And like I had to be told to keep a plant in my yard and I was so upset about it. But, and I spent so much money because I didn't have time to deal with a plant. You know, I didn't have time to do it. And, and my plants would always die like deader than dead, like die, die. And like I would come home from work and be like, well, there's another $14. Let me go to Lowe's, get another plant before I pay $200 fine, right? So one of these times that this plant died, you know, Mimi had come over and she was, she was talking to me and she looked down and she said, well, honey, that plant is dead. And I said, you're prophetic. I, I can tell. <laughs> no. She said, that plant is dead. And I said, well, she said, can I have it? And I was thinking, you are kooky. Like you really, you really are. Can I have it? dig it up so she dug it up and and I had forgotten all about it so she takes it over and she puts it in her yard which always one yard of the month and all this stuff next door to the ugly yard that she didn't tell anybody was her grandson and so she's living next door to me with these beautiful plants and she asked me to help her uh we were painting a rock or something at one point and she said I I looked over and I said oh that sure is a, a pretty plant Look how pretty the blooms are. Look, man, where'd you get that? And she said, well, that's the one that I got out of your front yard. I said, you are lying. You ha- that, there's no way that that is true. Listen to me. The word planted in that passage of scripture means to be transplanted. Listen to this. To be transplanted. Just like Mimi brought back to life a plant by simply moving it from one environment to the other. We have to step out of our past and be transplanted into a new environment, the house of God, and then people aren't going to even be able to recognize you. You will not be recognized. I walked over and said, where in the world did you get that? That was the dead one. Your friends are going to come back into your life and say, who in the world are you? And somebody's going to step up and say, he was the dead one. He was the one that everybody gave up on. But I've been transplanted into the house of God. Now I live in the victory that Christ came to give me. Amen. Amen. I've been transplanted. Come on, tell two people, I've been transplanted. There's a blessing for you in being faithful in God's house. Get in God's house. Encourage your friends and your family to get in God's house. Guard your minds, get over your past, and these things will allow you to get to work. I'm gonna focus works today on on healing, and I'll tell you why. When Parrish and I got married 12 years ago, my beautiful bride, when we got married, I don't know what was going on in my body. Right after I proposed, I began to get sick, and just over the year, just went downhill and downhill and downhill. I was always in the, in the doctor and always in the hospital. And I was, I had gotten down to uh, under 125 pounds and I was completely 
completely sick. Nobody knew what was wrong with me. I had knots coming up all over my body. They were they were talking all different kinds of things. And when you, when you hear that the doctor's talking about, well, cancer or well, uh, thyroid or well uh, severe diabetes and it's too late or well this or well you know all these things your mind is going berserk I'm like whoa <laughs> this isn't me I don't know you got the wrong one get these IVs out that's not my report you know I'm trying to stay strong but I was still pretty new in the things of faith I was still pretty new in the church it was just had just been a couple of years and when those things started happening I didn't know much, but I did know to get to the people of God, to my, my leaders, my pastors. I knew to get to them. And whenever I went to church on a Wednesday night, hundred and under 125 pounds, I was, if you go back and look at our Facebook page, you'll see our wedding. I was sunk in and just sick, sickly. And um, I have overcome. I'm healed. Obviously, I'm healed. Prayer works. I went to my pastors. They prayed for me, and I am healed today. As you can see, I'm not under 125 pounds today. (laughs) We have to get to work. In Luke chapter 9, it says that when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them the power. Who the power? Them the power and the authority. Who the authority? them to drive out all the demons and cure the diseases and heal I'm sorry and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick or make them whole in Luke 11 he gave the same authority to heal the sick he taught them even in his last words while he was ascending into heaven he said I'm going to the right hand of the Father. Go make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. In John 14, he says, Very truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than me, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified. He said, you can ask me for anything in my name and I'll do it. You can ask me for anything in my name and I'll do it. I may have gone to school in a sleepy little town called Quinlan, Texas and graduated 160th out of 200 in my class, but I know for a fact that greater means more. That greater means better than what it used to be. Amen? (laughs) It's not heresy. This is the word. I'm finding it. Some of you are looking at me like, are you kidding me? Are you out of your mind? The best part is in that same breath that he said, you're going to do greater works than me, he takes all the pressure off of you and says, so that my father may be glorified. That takes it off of you. You have no stake in it. You don't have a dog in the fight anymore. (laughs) all you have to do is step out God honors it so that his father may be glorified you don't get the glory anyway the father gets the glory we have to be bold we have to speak to our body in Mark 11 23 the Bible says to speak to the mountain why would we not speak to the sickness why would we not speak to the disease 
Why would we not speak to the lameness, the blind eyes? Why would we not speak to the situation and declare it to be so? We have the authority. Some of you were probably taken by surprise when Pastor Ann first got here and said, started speaking two things, commanding the body to do this. Uh, some of you have talked to me about that. That was crazy, but it's good crazy. You know, you've said. She has a, a realization that we have that authority. We have to follow suit with that. We have to be bold. We have to speak to it. We have to make commands. You have the authority. Use it. Listen to this. Jesus said in Mark chapter 6, a prophet is without honor except in his own hometown. So there was no, he was not able to do any miracles, just laid hands on a few sick people and healed them or made them whole. Did you catch that? He wasn't able to do any miracles. He just healed a few sick people. He just made a few sick people whole. The Bible discounts that, not, it counts it not as a miracle. That means it should be the norm in our everyday life. We should be seeing the sick healed. We should be walking in divine health because it's the normal. It's not a miracle. Healing is not miraculous. Healing is the normal. He wasn't able to do any miracles. <laughs> he just healed a few sick people. That's all. Now, today, if a person gets healed, we're shouting and jumping all over the church like when Miss Rhonda gave her testimony. When healings come forth, we rejoice, which is good, which is great, but we should be expecting it. It should be the norm. Healing people and making them whole is not miraculous. It is the norm. The word says that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells inside of us and gives life to our mortal body. We have the ability to walk in it. We have the authority to heal the sick in Jesus' name. We have our identity as children of God and we have the power and the same spirit residing in us, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. When we read through scripture, we find that Jesus is healing the sick and wherever he goes, he's healing him. And he says, I've equipped you to do the same thing. Whenever I was in children's church, there was a, um, a song that we used to sing and it said, Peter and John went to pray. They met a lame man on the way. He asked for alms and held out his palms. And this is what Peter did say. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and... Everybody knows that song. Yeah, we're singing it with me. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Peter was saying, listen, buddy, I don't got much to give you, <laughs> but I do have the name above the lameness. I do have the name above sickness, and that's the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. You may not have something to give everybody. You may be in a situation where you don't always have something to offer, but you always do have the name of Jesus and the ability to use it. Amen? God's kingdom is spreading and ever increasing towards the time when Jesus wraps up this day and age and comes, brings the church home and makes a new heaven and a new earth. And I'm excited about that. But 
until he comes. We're filled with his love. And we have to know that we have the power and the authority to use it here. We have the same spirit. We need to make, uh, we need to do the works that Jesus did. I want to make sure that every encounter that I have with somebody, they leave knowing that God is their healer. Leave knowing that God is for them, not against them. Leave knowing that they are loved dearly by God. Every encounter that I have with somebody, I want that to happen. I want them to walk away knowing that. For some of you that's on the streets or maybe at your job, Kyle and I were talking about that. He makes impacts on people at his job. I believe that because he makes impacts on me every Sunday that he plays the drums. Are y'all grateful for Kyle? (laughs) Some of you that's on the streets, some of you it's at your job, some of it's it's at your home, some of it it's at holidays with family. (laughs) But I... I'm hungry for a culture when doing that stuff where everyone is doing that stuff and everybody is a witness to that and healing is the norm. Amen. There's not, there's not a specific method when you're praying for someone or you're, or you're believing God for healing in your body. There's not a specific method other than attaching the name of Jesus to it. That's the only qualification for your prayer to come to pass for your prayer to be answered attaching the name of Jesus back in back in the day they used to do all kinds of stuff they, I mean mud in people's eyes and go rinse go walk a few miles with mud in your eyes and 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 rinse off then you'll see but today we don't have to use any of those methods some churches probably do but we don't have to use those methods we just pray and attach the name of Jesus in Jesus name amen You have that authority. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your goodness in our life. I thank you, Father, that the word that went forth today, God, is impacting your people. God, that they leave here with a greater understanding of you and of your love and of your mercy and of your healing in their body and of the ability that they have. Lord, I thank you that even after they go home and my mouth is shut long time from now, that the words are vibrating in their spirit, that your living word that went forth is vibrating them, vibrating their spirit, resounding in their hearts. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for your power that lives inside of us. Now, Father, I thank you that your people are going out. God, that you're blessing them just like you blessed them and they're coming in. Thank you, Father, that you've made us the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, first, not last, the victor, no longer the victim. Thank you, Father, that you've caused the mountains and the hills to break forth with singing and the trees of the fields to... As your people go forth armed and dangerous with the word of God. And everybody said, amen. Love you guys. See you next week.